Hey everybody, welcome to Casual Cognition. We have another great episode for you today. We talk about the role of technique in our endeavors and ponder how much of it is us and how much of it is just out there waiting for someone to find it. But before we get into the cast, I must apologize for the sound quality on this one. I had a little technical snafu and had to use a backup audio, so it's a little off, but I promise that I will strive not to make that mistake again, friends. But now, without further preamble, here is the show. There we are. Yet again, we're back. We're not going to leave you. We're coming back around again and again every single week. Back around the bend. She's coming around the mountain every Tuesday morning. Oh, we came around the mountain. All right. Oh, I came all right. (laughs) Every time. (laughs) (laughs) How you doing today, bud? Dude. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's it's always good to be here in this chair. This is not my normal chair that I sit in, um, but any chair that hosts my earthly vessel uh, to propagate this cast is a is a great chair to be sitting in. I gotta say. Well, now you've got your fancy schmancy studio you can hang out in. So the I wish this probably pretty nice studio. too. <laughs> is it is your uh, uh doesn't the old man have a studio out there yes but it's his studio <laughs> uh, i have the honor and privilege of being able to use it and yeah you can uh, play some music in there yeah definitely uh it's more like you know i'm i'm going back to copenhagen later today and then i'm going to be back in my studio aka studio apartment. The, bedroom, <laughs> the bedroom <laughs> but you know, as uh, some of our some of our fond listeners will may remember, I'm leaps and bounds ahead of Nate, who's still stuck in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never coming out. You'll never you'll never take me out of here. I mean, there's a reason why your your audio always comes out so clear, so crisp. crisp. So it's so nice and isolated in here. Although right now my incredibly loud ac is running but we can talk about our uh, our tech a little bit later our our, our gear that we're working with because i did want to mention that um because i don't know if you looked on our instagram but i did just post my eudaimonia machine my new painting you desk did. yeah oh i gotta check that out yeah alex helped me set up a like an actual painting desk that doesn't have any distractions around it's just nice. for painting so nice. and I've already been using it a good bit. Well, for, for painting and drawing and stuff like that. It's for my visual art. Nice. No dicking around. No dicking around. Table. Well, you know, it's yes. you know how easy it is if you have your computer at the same spot you're doing something to just like for your eyes to just start. Mm, yep. It's right there. It's yeah, within it's reach. I could just set this man. down and open up Heroes of the Storm. 
And, yeah, that's, um, I think we've talked about that a little bit, like like environment design and and that that whole yeah um, kind of field, which I find utterly fascinating. Yeah, but that is uh, outside the realm of our. Yeah, we'll get into some more of that stuff today. later. But before we jump into it, Nate, how are you doing, buddy? Um, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I'm back to work now after recovering from surgery. I've got some uh, some back pain going on, probably from laying in bed for two and a half weeks and then suddenly getting up and going back to work. I uh, already not so um, cooperative back is has been protesting very loudly. It's mm. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What happened to lying in bed all day? That was perfect for me. <laughs> so other than that i'm doing pretty darn good it's a friday i'm here on the podcast we always try to shoot for thursday recordings but friday recordings are, are also special to me because it's like i got one little bit of work and then i'm it's done for the day it's like a great start to a great day all right nice dude well mm -hmm. i'm glad to hear that you're recovering your back and uh yeah it's always a little a little tough getting back into the swing of things after a period of um rest or stagnation or yeah. just recovery like having to actually recover from a traumatic experience so i wish you the best in that and i think without further ado we can we can jump on in. into the first first topic so this one, you know, this was your brainchild. So I'm going to just pass it on over to you and let you uh, let you get us going. Oh, that's okay. So my idea was to talk a little bit about some some art techniques. And the, the thing that really inspired me to bring this up was the golden ratio. So we'll start off with that. And the golden ratio in art has been a little like somewhat of a controversial thing. Because I think people just read like way too much into it. Like if you have those proportions in there, it's going to be good, which isn't the case. But there is something to this ratio, which the ratio is one about it's an actual it's like an irrational number, but it's around one to one point six eight errors, one point six two. Sorry. And uh, you're very familiar with this if you're in, at all involved with any kind of technology, because this is the ratio that all TV screens, computer screens, movie screens, um, they're all set to this one to 1.62 ratio. And if you so that would be like height to width or yeah, yeah. So like if you think about a rectangle, like the, you know, two or two of the four or yeah, each Everyone knows what a fucking rectangle is. Two sides <laughs> of the same goddamn length. Uh, but it's specifically the ratio of like the length to width is uh, like the width is, you know, 1.6 times the length. Yeah, and the golden ratio, it's interesting how this, this works. And I'm not sure exactly how they measure it for the rectangle. I know it turns into a rectangle. Um, and I think it's the, I think it's the shorter line segment can be moved over but i'll explain it as simple as i can because it's actually a weirdly simple concept 
it is just a, a line segment essentially. So if you've got one line segment and you cut that line segment into two pieces and the smaller piece, two um, unequal pieces, the smaller of the two pieces has the same ratio to the larger of the two pieces as the larger of the two pieces has to the overall line segment. So mm. it's, um, it's that one to 1 1.62 ratio. So the, the, the line segment, the smaller line segment is the one, the bigger line segment is the 1.62. And right. And I think a lot of people have seen that there's like an image where if you if you keep using that ratio to make yeah. bigger and bigger rectangles, then you get this kind of spiral yeah. thing that happens. And it's like, whoa, that's the fucking same exact shape as like a, a seashell. A shell is the famous or, example. Which your, is also the same as our fucking your, ear canal or yeah. our sinuses or all of this shit is like based off of that same kind of idea. And it's kind of like a fractal. It is a little, I was well. going to bring it up. It's a little related to our fractal conversation because the golden ratio can be fractalized very easily. And yeah. <clears throat> something I think it probably, if I was to just take a stab in the dark, it probably has something to do with like the way that our eyes are designed so something tells me that if you had like a horse's eyes where they were like on the sides of your head that one to 1 1.62 ratio isn't going to mean as much to you so it, you know I'm, I'm guessing it probably has something to do with our eyes but the gist of it is that something about this ratio is very pleasing to us and um if you look if you have your like your youtube app on your phone or like netflix or something on your phone there's actually a couple of black bars on the side when you watch it in horizontal mode to get it a little closer because phones don't fit that one to 1.62 ratio. So if you had them to their full screen, whenever they're on their sides, the ratio would be all fucked up. So, and people just don't notice it because it's like, that's how it should look. Mm. Um, I actually had to, I checked that, um, either yesterday or the day before just for this i was like i wonder if they do that on the phone i've never noticed and sure enough yeah there's some black bars on the sides to get it closer to the right ratio or maybe that's just the right ratio i didn't i didn't do my maths on that one but um the reason why i wanted to bring this particular concept up is that i find it very interesting when there are principles in art that become like universal we use the word universal principle a lot and i don't i don't want to use that particular term in this setting because it's maybe not universal like i was saying that the like the golden ratio applied everywhere doesn't make everything look good but it becomes this right. very like prolific theme in art and the golden ratio has been an extremely prolific theme in art for thousands of years, probably. Um, I think Leonardo da Vinci was the one to really like nail it down. Yeah, with the, with the yeah, what's that called? Vitruvian the, man. The Vitruvian man, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's a lot of examples of that in his artwork. But um, you can look at it in like even in ancient Greek architecture. I think it's the Parthenon as the golden ratio. So there's, there's a lot of examples of right. this going back. And 
it's just sort of innate in us <clears throat> to like that. Yeah, and it's fascinating too how it how it you know it's not just something in art like it's it's a no. mathematical geometric principle yeah. that pervades into art and architecture and I've I've even seen there's a really interesting video where I think it's uh I think it's Adam Neely on YouTube he goes into trying to use the golden ratio in music and he showed exactly what you said where like just because and I saw this a long time ago so I don't actually remember the whole thing but it's like yeah just because you're using the golden ratio doesn't mean it's going to be good yeah but they did find that like the there was some correlation with the golden ratio and like when the climax like the average point where the climax of the song is it's like at that segment where the two lines uh are like you know where you cut where you cut the full if the full song is the line segment if you cut like at the that mark that makes the two lines for the golden ratio like the climax is almost always or it's like near that point a lot really? of the time which is i think totally subconscious like people aren't doing that on purpose you know and so those things to me it makes it a lot more interesting and real when it's like this isn't something that somebody just came up with and then everybody started doing it. it's like people were doing that subconsciously yeah and it's, it's almost like instinctual in us it's it's very yeah. um there's something biological or spiritual or something in us that desires that particular ratio to be expressed in a lot of different strange ways and now that we yeah. our expression is basically limitless it comes out in lots of interesting ways yeah definitely and again like the mona lisa is one of the standard examples of the use of the golden ratio and if you break it down it's like that's everywhere with yeah. the the ratio of like the distance <clears throat> of her eyes and like the length you know the length of your head versus the width and all kinds of shit you can break it down and you know maybe that was a case of somebody um consciously using the golden ratio right yeah, probably uh and so but that's to me really fascinating is like so okay there's something innate about this ratio that is really aesthetically pleasing for us but it's also it's not the whole picture because you can't just use the golden ratio and then whatever you're doing is good like there has to still be content like there still has to be something meaningful behind it or else it's like you know i mean it's like you know a robot can make very interesting music mm -hmm. uh but it doesn't have the same because it doesn't make mistakes like yeah. human beings do and that's part of what makes some music really beautiful is you have these weird little mistakes that they leave in there and you hear you know maybe it's like a voice crack that just sounds really interesting and cool and it's like you know they didn't try to do that they didn't want to do that but it happened and they just kept it in because it was like wow that adds so much character to it right and there's something yeah, that yeah. we uh, it reminds me of the i think it's a it's like a japanese practice uh of like they'll katsugi i think it is yeah what's it called i think it's called katsugi yeah the one where they they'll like break a vase I'm probably butchering and then they'll, that. 
and then they'll uh, fix it and fill in the cracks with gold. Yeah. Uh, so it's like they're emphasizing the um, the flaws. Of yeah, it. those and, are those are what makes it beautiful. Exactly, and that to me is like wow, that is such that is such a beautiful philosophy, and it's completely true. You know, like there's, and you know, we see that in art all the time. Like so much beautiful art comes from very flawed individuals who are undergoing immense suffering and they find a way to like channel those emotions and those experiences into something beautiful. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like without the flaws, it's not the same. It, it's kind of a, it's kind of the, um, the microcosm for the human experience that particular and i think it's kintsugi not katsugi katsugi seems to be some kind of drum um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah i love that and w w one thing i really like that you brought up is um <clears throat> the golden ratio and to a degree this kintsugi is it's it, it's a type of thing that we've talked about a lot which is it's kind of we're borrowing from the universe and then we're adding our own human element into it. And it's that combination that really makes the art special. Mm. So like you were saying with the Mona Lisa or with this King Sugi, like the original thing in and of itself is interesting and cool, but it's not quite the artwork, the really, the really special unique artwork that, that, gets our gears going but you add that human element in there and suddenly it's something special that is precious to everybody who sees it and the same thing goes with the other direction if you've just got something that the human is making it might be interesting and cool in the same way that you know an elephant can paint but if you don't have any of that technique if you don't have any, have any of that that stuff that's exists um externally from yourself like the golden ratio like proper musical connotation like you know painting composition these things that are part of you know maybe just the way that we perceive beauty but that's who you're going to be um looking to mostly as other humans so you know you're you're taking from these principles that exist outside of yourself and you're adding your own special sauce in there and that's really what makes everything come together yeah um, it's got to be that combination of the two and the same right. thing goes with that kintsugi you know the the bowl itself is kind of cool especially if it's really well made but if you break it and then you put it back together with gold and suddenly it's like a precious artifact you know yeah and also the thing that's really cool with that is you know, you can, you can more or less, if you're, if, if you're a really skilled potter, you can more or less make the exact same pot or, or bowl over and over again. And it's almost indistinguishable. Right. I yeah. mean, of course there's always these little differences, but it's basically, if you're really skilled, it's like the exact same shape and but you can, you're manipulating it in a very particular way where, the layperson couldn't even tell the difference between two of them. But when you break it, 
every single one of those is going to break in a different way. Yeah, you can't like, a different... <laughs> you're just going to, oh, this would need to be broken right here, right here. Exactly. You can't it's, do that. It's going to, it's, you know, there's so many different factors. And of course, like if you really zoom in on the, on the bowl, the two are going to be different, but like the, when you break it, it's, it's so utterly clear how unique and individual that is and how the break is depending on how you drop it and how hard and what angle it falls at and what it's falling onto and that whole thing like it's just going to be completely different and yeah to me that that philosophy is just it's beautiful and and i think it's really really important you know we're going to get we're going to talk more about you know like specific uh specifically about art technique and and you know at the at the end of the day like all of these different techniques are very interesting and can be super helpful you know you have like the golden ratio for example knowing about that can be very helpful it's it's part of the you know part of the language sorry keep going yeah no worries bro uh yeah so it's part it's part of it's a way to it's part of the language of in this case like a visual art or even you can apply it to music but at the end of the day like it's like you know you can you can um learn a bunch of very cool words but if you're just putting random words onto a page it doesn't really mean anything right it's more about how you put them together and and the intention behind each word and like the way that the word each word contributes to the overall meaning of the sentence or of the paragraph or story uh and you know i'm using this uh let's say for us for story as an art form but it's the same you know that same exact principle applies to music to uh visual art to i mean any any kind of art form and uh, I guess I do want to say one more thing too. You know, we, when we, we talk about, we've been talking about art quite a bit and, you know, we're, we're generally, this is kind of like a left field thing here, but like we're oftentimes we bring up examples of like what is classically referred to as art. But I think it's important that we also remind, uh, or I would like to remind myself and everyone that, that anything can be art yeah it's right it's it's, it's not about the world exactly it's not necessarily about what we consider classically as art like you can be a scientist and an artist in that for sure and it's it's more about the approach and the intention and the uh attention uh, like to me this is I don't think I've talked with you about this actually, Nate, but let me, I want to hear your thoughts on this because I've started to, because I tried to figure out like what, you know, what, what even is art, right? Because we have these classical definitions of what art is. You have, oh, there's painting and music and sculpting and blah, blah, blah. But like, I, I, and I think you agree that like, there's a lot more different kinds of art than that. And what I've kind of, or at least my initial thought here is that like some of the main factors that 
make something art are the intention and your attention. So to me, attention is extremely an extremely important part of the process. Like if you're, you know, like if you imagine, and I'll use the class example in a classical sense of like a painter. If a painter is painting, there's nothing else going on. There's, there's nothing else in his or her attention. You know, like, it's not like, oh yeah, I'm doing phone calls and emails and, and like, like there's at least, I mean, of course you, you go in and out of the thing, but like when it's really, at least, I mean, this is in my, maybe, and maybe I can speak from my experience when I really feel like I'm being artistic, like I'm totally immersed in the action in what I'm doing. It's like a, it's, it's, I'm not, cause for me, there's a difference between if I'm just noodling around on the guitar and I'm just like doing, you know, just like not even paying attention, just like noodling around. I it's, it's not art. It's, it's re- very related and it's like, um, but it, but it's not, I don't know. There's something there that has to do with attention and the intention, right? Because the intention is a very important part of it as well. Like what's the intention with this? Am I trying to express something? Am I trying to gain a deeper understanding of myself? Am I trying to connect with the divine creative force, you know, versus like, oh yeah, I'm just doing this to get paid. Or like, I'm doing this because somebody told me I have to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <clears throat> I don't know. There's, there's, um, there's a lot to think about whenever it comes to what part of your practice constitutes art and, you know, actually making strides and then what is just kind of enjoying yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, and what is like the disciplined practice part that isn't, it's not really art, but it's like, it's the technique, which is what we are going to get into more. Yeah. And that's the big thing that I think is important um, in my, like the important distinction for me is like, it's probably a little bit different with music because music is more fast paced in my experience. but if I'm like really trying to buckle down and nail some techniques, I need to be pretty focused. I can probably be listening to music or something like that. But beyond that, I need to be really focused in. And you know, what's funny is that if I am doing something like if there's like TV on or something like that, I often, once I do get into like the, the intense technique moments, I just, nothing else gets in. It doesn't right. even matter if there's something else on, just everything goes away. And I realize that I haven't even noticed, you know, the sun go down or something like that. Right. But I have a hard time getting into that state because of distractions, which is why I um, got my new painting desk set up. And yeah. it's it's definitely, um, you can you, I can definitely see an immediate difference for just having that space. Right. And I'm, I've noticed myself being drawn to it more and more. And a lot of times 
I've just been like, not really sure what I'm going to do. So I'll just sit in the desk and, you know, I'll, I can sit there and do something, but I'm going to get bored really quick of even if I'm like browsing Reddit or something like that, I'm going to get bored really quick. And then I'm going to start looking around the desk and like, Ooh, that looks nice. Mm. Ooh, a sketchbook, you know? Yeah. And it's a lot of times like that's an easy way for me to get into the mood is like, Oh, I don't want to, I just want to watch TV or I just want to chill out. And it's like, all right, well, I can just sneak over here and start over here. And then my, my feelers start wanting to grab those brushes and pencils. There's yeah. something about just the proximity of it without a whole lot else to do. And I know that yeah. there's some people that have been a little more extreme. I, I think it might've been, I forget it was, if it was Steven Pressfield or um, who we were talking about, but who has their, their writing desk and they're only allowed to write at the, that desk. Yeah, and then, that's, that's <laughs> Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman. Yeah, I, I don't go quite yeah. that extreme, but that's probably a good idea. Right. Yeah, I mean, so, but it, but it's, but it, you're, you know, now you've gone, because before it was like your desk, there's just shit everywhere, all over it. Your computer's on there. You got all kinds of random crap on there. So yeah. now you've, you haven't gone fully into the, into the Neil Gaiman thing, but like, also, you know, that's his job. Yeah. That's what he does. He writes. So he needs to be more disciplined about it than, than you do right now. Right. Yeah. So, and, and maybe, maybe you would benefit from that, but also, you know, everybody has a different degree of like how, cause if you put too much pressure on yourself, it just fucking ruins it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, and, and then it's, it doesn't be, and then it's not art anymore. It's, it's work. It's and work like, and it's not enjoyable. And, yeah. And, and I don't want to say, I mean, I really want to be clear about this because there, like there's different ways to view the word work and, yeah. you know, I, I don't think work is a bad thing at all, but I think that just, you know, I'm using it in this context in the, as the negative connotation where it's like, I should say like toil instead of work. Cause work, it's like a neutral thing. And Idiom. I mean, it's, and it's completely necessary right so but like it turns it into like a like a drudgery drudge drudgery i think is <laughs> drudge a report word. yeah um, that makes sense yeah so and that's interesting because it's different for everybody like what what they need you know like i i find that having structure and discipline for me is like extremely helpful but you know there's a for people who for example who they went to music school for fucking five years, 10 years. Like, you know, maybe that kind of structure is too, they, they've already gone, they've already done all of that. Right. Yeah. So then it's yeah. like, you know, at least from what I found, a lot of people that I've spoken to who spent a lot of time in music school, like they are more focused on getting out of their head because they've already getting done out so of work much mode. theory and so much technique and so much work that they're trying to get back to play. And I started with play completely. So for me, it's really helpful to go more into the specifics and like the, the theory and the technique because, you know, that, and now I guess this is the perfect time 
to go more into this this idea of like uh, specific specifically into technique in art and you know to me the the way that I look at it is like technique uh, it's it's kind of like the language you know so yeah. if you pick up these different techniques. Um, you know, in painting, there's like there's sh and in visual art, you know, you have like shading and perspective and um, the color, color palette, like contrast and all of this yeah. kind of stuff. Like there's very specific techniques that that to me, it's like the vocabulary of the of that uh, specific language. Right. So in music, you have different techniques uh let's say if you're learning guitar you have like first of all broadly speaking i mean first of all you just have like music theory which is a language in itself uh and this is uh, even just learning like western music theory is there's a lot to go into there but then oh, yeah. you have the specific technique of each instrument you know on the guitar like broadly left and right hand technique and then uh yeah like different picking styles you have like finger picking and using an actual plectrum and then you have yeah and there's all kinds of shit with like legato and and scales and so yeah there's a lot of different <laughs> i'm just like saying random words <laughs> uh, to make it sound scales like, i know what those like, are oh hey hey real quick yeah, but, while yeah. you're while you have a quick break give me a quick pause here you can you just okay. keep your thing going but i just noticed something wacky going on i knew there was something crazy going on right out here there we go all right we're sorry back. about that folks i had a little uh i realized my shit was using the wrong microphone so sorry if my sound was a little wacky here up until this point i'll fix it though all right we're we're back in i just yeah. finished uh bestowing upon everyone random words random, random musical nomenclature <laughs> exactly uh, but but the idea is you know there there's a multitude of these different techniques that constitute for me it's like learning the vocabulary of the language uh, and i kind of brief i kind of mentioned this like earlier in the podcast where so you can get really good at a certain technique you know sweep picking or something and that's a cool once fucking again technique. no idea you can you can look it up if any of this stuff if any of these words find uh, are interesting i mean basically sweep picking is like where you um you kind of it's it's this really interesting right hand technique where you you kind of uh it's for it's usually you it's used a lot in like metal uh with like really fast shredding but you like it's 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 hard to explain i i because i look can't it up really on youtube it. but look it up and you'll see what i mean it's it's pretty crazy it's and it's and it's way harder than it looks actually but so here's the thing is um that is a really cool technique i think it's awesome but you know, out of context, if it's like, you're just going to learn this crazy technique and then you're going to just shred people's face off. But if there's no, you know, that's like me just saying a bunch of very, like a bunch of multisyllabolic words that have no connection to each other, just because it sounds like 
I'm smart, right? And it's like, look how smart I am. I know all these words, but it doesn't, it doesn't really mean anything, right? And to, to me, and, and, you know, this is all subjective. So everybody can have their own view on this. But for me, like the meaning behind the words is so much more important than the words themselves. And, but that doesn't mean that the words aren't important because they can help point in the right direction and they can help fill in the gaps and, and color the overall feeling and meaning with their specific connotations right yeah so that's kind of been my my philosophy with and I, we've actually talked about this i've talked about this i think with cosmo you know like the science and soul of music but it's the same with any other art form right and like there needs to be a balance of both because if you just have the soul but you don't have the vocabulary to express it then it's like it's very rough and it's 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 uh almost incomprehensible because there's no you're not using words that people understand and then if you just learn a bunch of cool words and throw them on the paper it doesn't mean anything right yeah and you know i've i've noticed this with a lot of visual artists um who have been like formally trained and have been you know they've gone to art school or whatever oftentimes their their work is just kind of boring you know have you ever seen this um this sort of thing um usually i stay away from those that kind of thing i kind of curtail my art experience thanks to the internet but um i mean i've personally known people who who are really technically skilled but you look at their stuff and it's just like that kind of looks like a photograph or something like that like it's pretty incredible you did that with brushes or with whatever it whatever you use but like there's not really a whole lot to this thing it's just kind of a boring picture and then you see somebody who's like not super great and makes some like incredible incredible like um imaginative landscape with like a digital art program or something it's like that's really cool that's unique you know they had they had something within them that they that was very cool and um and special and they leveraged whatever they could technique wise to get it out there whereas i think that a lot of those formally trained people have a a harder time like you're saying a lot of times they get kind of stuck in the technique mindset and it's a little harder for them to kind of access the muse and and feel really inspired um, and yeah, think I, outside the box. Yeah, I definitely think that's that's an issue with our with our current like academic yeah structure. And a lot of people I know, I mean, because I definitely don't want to knock people who are really technically skilled, and that no. automatically means that you can't make real art. Like, that's the most obviously ridiculous. But no, no, that's um, like, I, you know, this is just, we're both speaking from, you know, friends that we know that have gone through that whole thing, and they struggle with finding like, oh, what, what, it, what it is that I really want to express. And, and also, I will say that the more technically proficient I become, the more I can appreciate people who are really technically skilled. So like, that's something, um, you know, like, that's what I noticed 
you know, when I was first exposed to like modern jazz, I was just like, dude, what the fuck is this? Like, I, <laughs> I just, and, but that's also like, that's part of the, part of the thing is like a lot of that music, it's not made for the lay person. It's, it's not no. pop. It's, it's, it doesn't use a language that most people can understand. And that doesn't mean that it's bad, but it's, it's more made for like musicians and for people who have gone really deep into the language of music and then you can start to appreciate it so yeah it's not that like one way is better than the other and like you know, and it's also it's all it's totally again it's subjective like you and i for me like i appreciate like a really interesting surreal piece over a hyper hyper real realism or something because i don't mm -hmm. i don't really understand all of the technique that's involved in making something hyper realistic. And I, yeah, and it's I, harder to even, appreciate. I can't even imagine like how many hours and how difficult it is to do that. So it's kind of like, Oh, that's interesting. But for me, I'm way more drawn to, yeah. Like, I mean, for me, Dali is like, when I see something, one of his paintings, I'm just like, dude, <laughs> that is so fucking cool. Like that, yeah. because, and to me, he's a good example of somebody who, there's like a mat, there's an obvious mastery in his technique. You know, he, he's blending this like reels. He makes something that is completely absurd and abstract and crazy and dreamlike into something that feels like it's real. And that's what it's like, whoa, that, and, but that's just, you know, that's just me. That's just, that's just an aesthetic that I really, really like. And um it, it goes back to something you you know what you were saying earlier like the 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 it's the subjective component to the at the end of the day it's a human being who's viewing the thing and they <laughs> yeah. decide whether or not they like it and you know that's it's something that i've kind of i'm starting to come to terms with uh as a musician is like it's not my job to say whether or not something that I make is good. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Exactly. And I will tend always to say that it sucks. So <laughs> it's better for me to just not say anything about it and then just share it and other people can decide whether or not they enjoy it. And that's and secretly that's it. call them liars behind their backs when they compliment you exactly damn dirty liars i know this is bullshit right here wow dude can you see into my head or uh... <laughs> i can see into the head of artists that's how yeah, that's how it goes um yeah it, 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 I, I wanted to ask you about that um that drum break the the amen break because that was something that kind of fits into both of these things, because it's not so much a, an artistic principle, but it's a technique that has become a principle in Western art, Western music. Hmm. And maybe not a principle, but it's become a, a massive, massive theme that has affected right. um, music more than most other lines. Like, I, I can't really think of any other um, sound bites that are that small that have become that ubiquitous in music 
Right. It's so like, for people, just real quick, for people who don't know, I'm, I'm going to add in a sample. Is, yeah. For people who don't know what it is, you've heard it and it sounds exactly like this. Money. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that was long enough to, to put it. It in, doesn't but... matter. You, you I, I will get right, into right, it. Right. You scooch oh, it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it. That's it. And it is in all over hip hop. It's all over like punk rock. Um, lots of like ska and reggae and stuff like that. Um, the Futurama theme song has it in there. And it's, it's like the Wilhelm scream. Yeah. Music. <laughs> yeah. The only other thing that I can think of that's that short and also that ubiquitous is like starting a song with the guitar where that just goes. <laughs> Dude, mate, can you please just put in the Wilhelm scream right here? Yes, <laughs> I can do that. Uh, that's, everyone yeah. has heard that every like anybody who's watched any like who's watched fucking american movies has has heard that dude it's so funny i love that scream it's so it's so good have you ever tried to make it <laughs> yes try, one day yeah, try to make that noise people if you haven't because it's so hard i don't know i don't understand like i've heard it so many times it seems like something that you'd be able to do and i i just don't understand how how a human made that noise it sounds so it's weird when you try to remake it but that's another one of those things that has just been in everywhere and yeah. i always love seeing stuff like that and you know that's a that was an artistic technique for a long time in movies using that that scream yeah because it, it was just like a background thing for all kinds of things and now it's become it's become so ubiquitous that it's almost just used as a joke now like like movie producers will or, or, you know directors or whatever whoever does the that part of it will sneak that in there as like a like a joke an easter egg right. little and, tip of the hat yeah, and every now and then in a modern movie, you'll be able to hear it like in the background somewhere. And I'm always like, yay, I caught it. <laughs> I'm always so happy when I hear it. Same with the Amen Breakdown. Now that I, I, I kind of like checked out the history of it or something, by the way, that was made like decades ago. I think it was back in like the 30s or 40s or something. And it, it's now considered to be one of, if not the most used musical sample ever. And um, it seems a little strange because the history of music has gone on for so long, but just keep in mind that you've only been able to use samples for about that, that amount of time. So, um, you know, it's, it's a more modern sampling of music. And so it's, it, it's affected modern music a lot. So that's why it's been sampled so much, but it's so, um, it's become so ubiquitous that to me, it makes me think a little bit about like, okay, who, who first, because the guy who made that, that was a dude, that was a drummer who made that. Yeah. And now it's exploded everywhere. So who decided that like, hmm, four, four time, that's the way to go. And then that just went 
all over the place. Not everywhere. It's not that's not a universal music thing. Not even time signatures like that. You know, you listen to like Indian music or something like that, and time signatures are a completely different thing. And yeah, so, four four is the general like that's it, the most common one in Western music. Yeah, it's like, but the, there's still quite a bit of uh, three four, yeah. which is like the waltz and six eight. Yeah, but it's yeah, four four is like most most songs that that you and I have listened to are in four or four and pretty much anybody listening to this unless i mean if you if you live somewhere in the eastern hemisphere then maybe not most music depending on what you listen to yeah so you know something something about four or four time just like something about the golden ratio just kind of speaks to us and something about the amen break just speaks to us there's something yeah. in 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 like the human psyche that's like ooh, that rhythm's perfect i really yeah. dig that so i always love seeing stuff like that because it just kind of um kind of makes me think about like well what else is out there because you know though those things existed out in the ether somewhere before somebody brought them into reality for us to enjoy you yeah know, and also at any point like, in time somebody could have made that amen break with like a you know a tree root out there obviously yeah, not and, the same thing but you know a similar rhythm yeah and how many times and how many different things exactly like that just didn't ever see the light of day you know yeah. how many how many picassos just lived their fucking lives up in their basement and nobody ever saw their shit and they you know like they almost just, happened with van gogh yeah i mean that's the greatest most, painters ever <laughs> Yeah, like arguably there has been, I mean, I'm sure there's been a hell of a lot more just masterful artists that have never, never been discovered than, you know, we, we hear about these, there's a few that, you know, come down from through the ages, but, you know, for every one of those, there's probably a thousand people just as good and interesting and unique that just, ne that just don't get lucky, you know? Yeah, it actually gets a little freaky when you start to um, learn a lot about art history and music history. I just kind of put lump those under the same term, but like how often you you learn about somebody who's considered this like irreplaceable master that almost didn't make it that, you know, if not for some random twist of luck they you'd never even have heard of that person and their genius would have been oh and a lot of history. them dude and a bunch of these people died as <laughs> yeah, before and like just they thought they were just pieces of shit and yeah they like were van like, gogh yeah. killed himself yeah perfect or, example or, of and i'm sure there's countless more of these people oh, yeah. who live their entire lives and and everybody is just like, what are you fucking doing? Like, just get a life. Yeah, Lovecraft. You know? is another <laughs> and then, one. Yeah, and then it turns out like, oh, yeah, they were actually uh, really really good. Yeah, a couple couple hundred years later, and everyone is like trying to read everything they ever wrote and fucking making clubs and yeah. getting tattoos and making cults and shit like around their uh their uh what do you call it well, like world the world building that they've done the whole yeah. 
the Necronomicon and shit. Like that's <laughs> yeah. like turned into a base. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's a cult out there based around that. Yeah. Which is, um, is, is a cult I want to join. I want to, I want to join a Cthulhu cult. Um, and you know, I've actually been really starting to appreciate a lot of this technique stuff. I'm just starting to get to the point in painting where like I can, I can navigate where I need to go a little bit better. Cause for a, a while now it's just been like, all right, well, there's a million things I'd like to do and I don't know any of the steps to get there. Right. So what was required since I'm not taking lessons or things like that is I've got to just st- put my, my shit down and actually get things created. And then I can look at it and say, Oh, that doesn't look good. I wasn't able to do this. This is probably why. And for a long time, it's been kind of hard to understand like, okay, well, what don't I know? It's, it's a situation of like, all right, I know a few things that I don't know, but I know that there's this vast world of artistic techniques that I don't know, that I don't even know about, that I don't know. know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so now I'm finally starting to get like a lot of those, um, I'm getting a lot more known unknowns. Right. And I can, uh, I can see where I need to improve a little bit better. And it's really, it's been really exciting actually, because um, we've talked a a lot about this, like the learning curve in any kind of artistic pursuit of like, there's a, there's a threshold you have to get to where you can actually start making decent stuff and have fun while doing it. Like you can have fun dicking around with any art form. You're probably not going to make anything that great, but there comes a point where you can casually put out things that are pretty good. Maybe not really good. You know, that's what masters do, but casually put out things that are pretty good. And then things start to get really fun because yeah, like when you start to get a certain level of consistency where it's not just like one in a hundred times, it's really cool. You know, like you start to pick up the language and it's like, we can have a conversation, you know, I can, we can have a conversation anytime now because we've been doing this for such a long time that, you know, we don't have to really, it's, it's not so challenging. (laughs) Yeah. We don't have to plan it all out. We can just go, okay, I'll talk about this, this, and this, and then here we go. Press press play. Yeah. And of course, like there's so much for us to still learn and to improve on. And, uh, but because, you know, we've been, do- we've been doing this for 10 years. We just haven't been recording it. Yeah. Uh, so we've had a lot of practice. Yeah. And that actually um, excites me a little bit too, because um, the time span thing, because I think that you and I, we can converse pretty well. Um, I've been singing for almost actually a little bit longer than that really um about the same time we started talking about the same time i started uh, practicing singing and my singing has gotten like good enough that i can have fun with it just by Mm. i haven't even really ever practiced or hardly ever i've just been i've just enjoyed it for years and years 
And um, this is one thing people like get started on something because it does take a lot of time, no matter how much practice you're putting in with, if you're like me and you live a busy life, you probably won't be able to put as pra much practice as you assume before you start into it, unless you're an extremely disciplined person. So just get started on something because I have, I've never taken any lessons or had any training with painting and I've been pretty inconsistent with my practice, but I've also been doing it for some years now. And just the, the keeping on doing it has, has brought together all these different things for me without even me really trying that hard. So I think that there, you know, whenever it comes to practice, quality is better than quantity, but quantity has a quality all of its own. Yeah, dude, honestly, it's, it's hard to say. Yeah. Like you want, like quality is definitely important and this is where intention and attention come, comes into yeah. play. Like, and you know, the, you do have a different intention if you're practicing something versus if you're like doing art, if you're trying to express something, right. Yeah. Those are two, they're basically two different activities, but they can easily blend into each other and go in and out. And that's yeah. totally fine. But I mean, the thing that you say with like quantity, like, Dude, consistency is is by it's so important. It's that's how it's, to build up that quantity. Exactly, and that's how you get quality. Yeah, like you're you're gonna make if you want to learn how to write songs, you're gonna write hundreds of shitty ass songs before you can like start actually writing good shit. And like, I haven't even gotten through that stage yet. You know, like I, I've maybe I've gotten lucky and I've gotten a couple like a, a pretty okay ratio of like decent songs to shitty songs. But I know like I need to fucking pump through and just, just start pumping out oh, like a hundred or a couple hundred just horrible, horrible fucking songs. And that's like, but that process is, is what is going to, make me a really good songwriter and a consistent songwriter you know you need and it, we can obviously apply this to anything like you can you know and this is something that a lot of artists struggle with like maybe you your first painting that you do what it, i mean who knows it could just turn out fucking amazing it could be like whoa how did that even happen you know this happens all the time you do something that you're not even capable of doing Mm -hmm. right because you get out of your own way yeah and then something happens and you're like whoa what the fuck that was cool but then it's like oh next time you're gonna try again and you're like oh i'm not gonna be able to do do that again no you're not and yeah. so just start and just keep going and it's you're gonna do 10 shitty ass paintings after that and it doesn't fucking matter because it's not about the, it's not about the end goal. It's not about the product. It's about spending the time and going and, and, and becoming immersed in the process. Right. Because yeah. that's at the end of the day, that's what is so fulfilling is 
spending time in the process and, and just going fully into it, into the experience of the colors on the page and the feeling of the, of the brush on the, on the canvas and the smells and the, and the way the light changes the way that the picture looks. And like, if you're looking at it far away or close up and all of these things, it's, it's the experience itself. And then it's this progression of becoming fluent in the language and, and becoming more able to express ourselves fluently in these different mediums and sharing that with people. Um, to me, like these are the aspects that are truly important. It's not really, because again, like you might think that your painting sucks ass, but somebody else might be super inspired by it and thinking that it's super cool. And that's one of the things that we, you know, are doing with this podcast uh, with, uh, you know, the discord and with, with our, our email as we were, we've created a place where people can, can share their expressions because like, like I said, you might think it sucks, but somebody, somebody else might love it. And somebody else might be, might connect with the feeling that you're expressing in that moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And to me, one thing that's really surprised me um, since I have been painting for three, four years now, um, pretty inconsistently, but still, I have um, recently with moving, I was kind of going through all my different art supplies and my paintings that I had hung up and I didn't have hung up, some that I didn't have finished. Um, and I was kind of looking at just those and then also like i i was setting up my art table a little bit i was looking at my sketchbook flipping through that flipping through my journal which i doodle in looking at like my models and i realized like oh i've actually made like hundreds of things over these past few years because when right. i think back and i'm like huh, i feel like i haven't done that much because i I don't just put everything out on display. Yeah. I often will do something and then tuck it away. But if I actually start to sit down and think about it, it's like, you know, these, these years of work have actually really paid off mm. and I'm not as good as I could be, but I'm way better than I would be if I had only just started and I was, you know, taking lessons and getting formal training, like those years that I've spent, have taught me so much and have given me so much more ability and it's it's so fun to see it naturally come about you know before i it, it was just making straight lines easier and making smooth brush strokes easier and knowing how to yeah. blend things easier and knowing how yeah. to you know not fuck up you know not accidentally knocking things outside of the lines that i'm doing learning how to like actually draw and sketch like all this stuff is happening of its own accord. I'm not having to force it all, but it's yeah, taken and, some time and I've had to put in that time. Right. And now that, and again, everybody has their own way of going about these things, but I would wager that now that you've spent all this time exploring this medium on your own, uh, if you do decide to go to somebody for help, uh, yeah. some kind of teacher, you know what you 
Like you already know what you want to learn. And that yeah. makes such a fucking big difference than yeah. just going in and being like, tell me what to do. You know, like you, yeah. of course, it's super valuable to have somebody else looking from the outside in and helping you with the things that, that you're kind of lacking in. But if to me, like learning that is at least self-directed in some sense, you know, it's like, I, I'm curious about this. I want to get better at this. I want to learn about this. You just learn so much faster than if it's just like, okay. Yeah. Uh, my, my mom said that I have to do piano lessons now. So yeah. here I am. Uh, and then they're like, okay, uh, I guess we'll start with, uh, Frere Jacques. Just or, like, dude. The other thing is that you can, you're going to blow through a lot of things on your own that you really don't need somebody to teach you. You don't need to, somebody to teach you Frere Jacques on piano, even if you've never played the piano before in your life. You could look at a YouTube video and it's going to be slow and you're going to make mistakes, but like you can learn that without somebody else helping you. Now you do need to that know that said, you need to learn that. Yeah. That but, being said, there is, I think one of the really important things, like, because, you know, speaking from my experience, I learned music and, you know, we talk about autodidacticism and in yeah. some sense, like that's not even a real thing because we learn from other people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, but like well, it's, it's that idea of, exactly so it's that idea of you know every yeah so self-guided i that's how my all my learning has been in music and you know one of the things that would have been super fucking helpful had i if i started like with a teacher is technique specifically like posture and um fingering technique and mm -hmm. like you know, so I'm not, cause I started to, you know, I had really like janky technique and a lot of like tension in my hands when I was playing. And I started at a certain point when I was playing a lot, I started to like develop tendonitis and shit. So those are some things like, that's one of the things that's really, really helpful. If you can get somebody to help you out when you're first starting out, that's true. And just to specifically go into like those aspects because they can see right away, you know, if you're playing piano and you're playing like this, <laughs> you might not notice it because you're so focused on trying to play the right note, but they'll be like, yo, like, relax, put your, bring your shoulders down, keep your elbows more in and, you know, stuff like that, where like, so, cause then you don't develop bad habits that yeah. you have to rewrite later on. That That's true. is a pain and super big pain in the ass that I had to deal with. And I'm still rewiring those patterns um you know so there are certain things where you can really save a lot of time by going to the right person um, yeah i think that's especially again, important in in music because it's more physical or in like athletics or something like that yeah um i know that there's stuff in in visual art that is like that but you know it's a little bit easier when you've got a teeny tiny little utensil you're using than a big guitar Mm. Or you're having to like move your arms around and stuff, you know, painting. Most of the technique is in your, like your wrists and fingers. Yeah, and it's more of a micro, like, yeah. micro thing. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, so, and that's another thing too, people like anybody who is interested in learning something, you know, you don't have to commit. If you're going to get like people who's like, oh, I've been thinking about getting lessons. You can just do one lesson yeah. with somebody. Just try it. And just say like, hey, I want to make sure that I, that I have good posture and technique. Uh, and let's focus on that and like, give me some pointers. And, you know, a lot of people will do, you can, if, you know, if you don't have a bunch of extra money to throw down, you can just say like, Hey, I'm strapped for cash. I really want to learn this, but can, can you just like, give me, give me stuff to work on on my own. Exactly. Give me stuff to work on. I'll be back in a couple months and I'll be, you know, and then they can give you like, yeah, here's, here's the next six, three months, six months, one month, whatever. Uh, just do, just work on this and then you can see them again. And that's, that's a really good, like affordable way to do it. If you, if you don't have a lot of extra cash and you want to, cause dude, a good teacher can seriously accelerate your, your learning for sure. Yeah. I think that that's really the best way to go right there is like, unless you've got a shitload of cash, but like going to a professional and I actually just recently did this with, um, this athletic trainer I'm going to, um, you know, you get your homework, you get your pointers, and then you go and do it for a while and give yourself time to actually work on it. Yeah. And then you go back for another one. And, you know, unless you're really dedicated, it's probably going to take you a little while to, um, to even break the ice on those techniques. A lot of times what they're going to tell you is something that you're going to be working on for years to come. And you're just going to be able to start scratching the surface in, you know, a couple of months until you see them next. And then, you know, you can show them your improvement and they can say, all right, well, just keep on working on that. And then you can add this. Yeah. So I really think that that's a good way to go. Um, Yeah, there's great. There's always going to be amazing content on YouTube to check out. That's so I learned so much from YouTube and just like if you, if you know what you want to learn, that's, what's so important. Like as if you asking yourself, like, what, what do I actually want to learn? And not just like how to draw, like that's way too vague. You, you need to you, like, if you can really formulate what it is that you're trying to figure out there, there's so much good, good content on YouTube that people are offering for free. And there's courses and there's all kinds of stuff you can buy too. Yeah, that obviously these people are selling. They're trying to make a living. Uh, but I, I learned in, I learned almost everything uh, from just experimenting and looking at stuff on YouTube, and that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, I um, I I think that like we were saying before, it's if you try and just do some stuff and screw up some that's to me the easiest way for me to figure out that question of like what do i want to learn exactly yeah you you make the mistakes and you exactly you, you do you it learn. and you you see where the gaps are yeah yeah so to me it's actually like it's hard to just sit down and think like oh you know what do i want to learn in this thing for me i had to i had to do some things i had to do some painting i had yeah. to do some modeling i had to do some drawing and realize like oh I'm really bad at distance perspective. Mm. I'm really bad at um, object, object light sourcing. 
And, you know, those are specific techniques that I can look up videos on, that I can ask somebody on, that I can look at um, examples of people doing it well and say, okay, here's how, here's how can you kind of think that this is how they did it. There's all kinds of step-by-step -step instruction things online and I can go into it. But if I just say, oh, I want to, I want to draw better and I want to do shading better. It's like, well, there's a, there's a shitload of ways to do shading. There's a different types of shading. There's different reasons you're doing shading. Yeah. And maybe if that's the level of your question, then maybe just introduction to shading or introduction to drawing so that you can even know what these terms mean, because yeah. you're saying these terms and maybe a lot of people don't even know what they mean. Right. Yeah. Distance so, perspective. People probably can get that object source lighting is one of those nomenclature kind of things, but exactly. So, so those are things that you learn maybe from the introduction video and then yeah. you can go, Oh, okay. These are the different terms. And then you can start playing with that. And then like, okay, I want to learn a little bit more about this specific uh, like, how do I, how do I, it's like, my colors always look weird together. How do I like <laughs> make, get colors that look good together, you know? And yeah. I don't even know what that's called, but. Color uh, theory. Yeah. So then you go into color theory and there's probably, there's thousands of hours of people talking about color theory and different videos. And then you can find the teachers that you like, you can support them if you think they're helping you out and um yeah i definitely i think youtube is an amazing amazing learning resource but the the thing that it's missing is that um that feedback yeah that personal connection that where they're they're going for what you're doing specifically yeah it's, hard, it's so easier for somebody else to 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 give you constructive criticism than it is for you to do that yourself. You're either going to just give yourself destructive criticism or you're going yeah. to have blind spots. And um, yeah, I mean, you can give yourself construct constructive criticism. It's just a lot harder. So yeah, it's, I think it's important to have that human connection at some point. Um, for me, you know, it's been one thing that's been super helpful and uh this isn't this isn't available to you in the way that I get it, because you, you're a um, you're a Puritan, but um, I am involved with some art communities online, usually through Reddit, <laughs> and um, I have learned so much from going into like comment sections or forums or something like that, and mm. either asking questions or having other people ask this the questions that I'm looking for maybe just questions that I didn't even know I was looking for and then the artist will say yeah this is how I did it or here's my little how-to guide on it and you'd be amazed at how many like just random creators out there would love to explain to you what they're doing if you just are like hey that's really great how did you do that and, you know, yeah. they're not going to want to be like, oh, how did you do this entire painting? <laughs> you want to you want to nail it down a little bit so you're not wasting people's time. But, um, you know, if I if I ask somebody or if somebody else asks somebody on the uh, the Warhammer painting subreddit. Like, hey, how would you do that? That purple highlight over there is almost always they'll give you a step-by-step. -step. I did this one and then I did this one. And then I use this glaze and then I use this thing. 
And I've seen so much of that, like really positive interaction on, um, I'm, su I'm subscribed to a ton of them. I'm subscribed to a bunch of like digital art spaces. Um, some of them are a little bit more community driven, like the Warhammer one. That's very like tight knit community. But there's a lot of other small art, art communities out there online that you can get involved in. And, you know, it, it's not like you're joining a club or you have like obligations or something. You can just kind of be in a space. And, you know, that's kind of what we're trying to do with the Discord and stuff like that. Um, but it's for me, it's been important to to get involved with some of these like specific communities online where I can learn from people who are really good model painters, because that's something that, um, you know, it seems it seems so much easier than it actually is to get even the most basic stuff. Um, but then you, you, you like learn like different things you need to use. Like that was one of the big things for me in that particular example of like, I was using all these different things that I, I thought this was the right material. And then I was asking somebody online and they were like, oh yeah, you should really just get this particular brand because these are formulated specifically for this kind of material and it, the, the way that it works, the way that it spreads just makes things way easier. And then I started to use that, that thing. Um, it, was a, it was a shade wash. And suddenly everything that I was doing was like way better looking. And it was just because like I had the wrong brand of, of ink wash. And so just being a part of these communities can, can, um, can be a real big help to, um, to learning some of these basic things and learning what you want to learn and learning what you don't know. I know there's all kinds of music ones out there. Oh yeah. I mean, we could, we could go, we could go, go into this all day, but, uh, I think it's, I think gotta it's about get, time. Gotta get ready to, yeah. uh, head back to old Copenhagen. So I think this is a good place to, to end it. Yeah, for sure, buddy. All right. Thanks for joining everybody. Thanks everybody. Later. See you next week. There it is, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Hope the sound quality wasn't too terrible. Next week, it'll be back to the normal standard. But for now, we're going to sign off. But we will see you very soon. We love you. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.